Hey everyone, this is Luke 12, 13 to 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs out, runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you buy anything online this year? You laugh because it still hasn't arrived. <laughs> yes! I bought Natasha a 24-day calendar of tea. Every day you get a new tea for the Advent season, and it arrived on the 8th of December. Natasha ordered me something in November, express post, and it arrived on the 24th at about 3 p.m., just in time. And it was a great Frank Green drink bottle. Interesting that we get so frustrated at this time of year. If you go to the shops, you get frustrated with the people at the shops. Um, if you buy online, you get frustrated it's not there when you want it to be. The tracking number doesn't work. And when you call Australia Post, bless them, they say, call us in two weeks. And you call them in two weeks, they say, call us in two weeks. Well, why, do, why do we feel that way? Why do we feel so anxious? Maybe COVID has really messed up your Christmas plans. I know many of you have not seen people you'd like to see because they were isolating or had a sniffle or you even had to get a COVID test yesterday and finally got the results back at 10 o'clock last night. Thinking of someone here. 
You know, Australian philosopher um, Damien Young says, we need to question whether buying or spending are our chief reasons for being. He's a 21st century philosopher, but it's not a new concept to think through this. Rousseau, in the 17th century Enlightenment period, said, with the rise of consumerism, a society is based not on egalitarianism, but on envy. An anxious heart. You ever felt like that? Just plodding along in life and consumed by things and stuff and you feel antsy at times? Maybe that's you today. I mean, after all, we eat the food, we drink the beers, we get more presents, we visit more people, and as the wrapping paper doesn't even hit the floor, the kids will ask, what's next? Is there more? Or you say to your family at the end of the day, well, what are we going to do next year? I mean, gifts are good, don't get me wrong. After all, Christianity claims Jesus is a gift, isn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't, isn't he? That's what Natasha told us. Have you ever wondered what we mean by that, that Jesus is a gift? What sort of a gift is Jesus? What do I do with him? Will he last longer than my new socks? Well, one way, one way that Jesus is a gift that we'll look at today, just one way, there's more, but this is one, is that he is actually God's salvation to us. Which means Jesus can help protect us against the illusion that having things and stuff will give us life. He saves us from a life like the rich fool who can't get enough and from the fear and worry of not having enough. Save from things and stuff. Because Jesus shows us what is real and true and he can free us from greed and worry, envy and consumerism. And to show you this, to explain this just for a few moments, let me tell you about a man with a problem from our Bible reading. This man has a life problem. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. People often come to Jesus for advice. Maybe you've gone to Jesus for advice before. Open the Bible, flip through, looking for something just to help because you feel like you need it. This man doesn't actually do that. He doesn't want advice. He just wants Jesus to agree with him. Why? He's not getting his inheritance. He actually demands Jesus, tell my brother, Jesus, side with me, not him, me. The force of the command, what, what, what he's saying, how he's saying it to Jesus is telling actually, not of a life problem, but of something deeper. His life problem is the symptom of his heart problem. Jesus replied to this man, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Jesus wants this man to know that he's not a judge in the family court system. What he can and does do, in fact, is shine his grace into this man's heart. He's not saying he doesn't care. It's because Jesus cares. He zooms into the real problem facing this man, facing all of us, in fact. Because having wealth, possessing things, saving, planning for the future, getting an inheritance from your mother and father, that's not the issue. Material things are not the issue in this instance. But materialism, a way of living that seeks to find your life in what you have and what you possess, that's the problem. You see it in his warning in verse 15. Then he said to the man, watch out, 
be on your guard against all kinds of greed, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. It's like a traffic camera, just trained constantly on that spot when you run the red light. Jesus says, watch out for greed that can often consume you. Jesus' point to this man is that your overwhelming desire for a family inheritance isn't your chief reason for living. Don't think that it is. And to illustrate this, Jesus then tells a story. Imagine if, imagine if someone actually operated out of this mindset of living to only consume and had that in front of them. What would it be like? Imagine if. Here's the story. And he, Jesus, told them a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Think about the drought in Australia we've had in the east, particularly, or or mining in the west, and just how much wealth is tied to the ground. We're a little removed from it here in the suburbs, in the city, but ground holds wealth, doesn't it? Always has. Well, in this story, the ground gave up a huge, abundant harvest. A a, 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 um, agrarian society, this would have been massive, right? In fact, ground is the subject here, not the man. Do you see? The point is that neither this man in the story, or the man who's getting the inheritance has done anything to get the reward, to get the abundantness. It just happened. And Jesus doesn't curse him for that. Jesus doesn't say, give half to the poor, or anything like that, actually. But what he does do is give us an insight into the inner workings of the human heart. 17 to 19, he said to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, oh, this is what I'll do. I'll, I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and then I'll store my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, be merry. This man consults his inner investment banker to reason this one through. The trouble is, his inner consultant is not very wise. Greed can often blind us and deceptively make us self-focused. I and me appear nine times in that short moment. This man's sudden fullness has simply fed self-love. I mean, you see at the end, don't you? Take life easy, eat, drink, be merry. That's the driving force behind his decision-making. He doesn't see a need of God, others, and he only thinks of himself. And at this point, we're supposed to realize this is an extreme story. I mean, how often would any of us ever be in a position where you have inherited so much stuff that for the next 70, 40, 30, 80 years, you can say, eat, drink, be merry, I have no responsibility because I've provided for. I mean, most of us want the story to end here. Most of us operate day by day at our jobs, living, trying to live that out as our dream, isn't it? But it just never feels like it can get, we can get there. The dream never quite happens. And and you know that. You know, job security changes. Markets crash. New variants of COVID arise and throw things in the air. You get sick. Now, this parable, as all parables do, has a pointy part to it. God causes the twist. God interrupts the plans of this man. Look at verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? He calls him a fool because he lacks good judgment. 
Foolish in biblical speak means not thinking of God as you live. That's what it means. They're coming like the man in the story who wanted security of enough things to give him life. He's the fool for that. And then Jesus explains why, what he's getting at. What are you, what are you, what's the point? Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Jesus isn't dangling a carrot on a stick here. It's far simpler. Because death will chase us down. God is the one who gives life and takes it away. And this man was a fool, not because he sought wealth, but because he imagined that by wealth and things and having them, and not God, he would have a satisfying life. Now think, to the man asking Jesus the question back at the start, tell my brother to divide the inheritance, Jesus is saying, don't be a fool. Your life isn't in that. Don't focus on the wrong things. Please, I beg you. At the end, he says, rich towards God. Doesn't, that doesn't mean give to God to get in return. It means that Jesus will plentifully supply you with his grace and kindness as you seek him. Like the man with the crop. I mean, did you notice? The, God's grace is operating at the beginning of the story. Because of his sheer kindness, the ground was abundant. God causes the rain and the sun to shine. Knowing that God will plentifully su- supply all our needs is the point. But if you're hearing this, if this is, this is you standing around, you've watched the man and you're just listening to Jesus, and then suddenly at this moment, this, this new category he's just created, he's divided your, your heart and said there's a whole category of living and life that doesn't consist in abundance of possessions, well, fear can drip into your heart, can't it? I mean, Jesus has said the possessions you own are not the building blocks of life, and that's a pretty devastating thing to hear if you've spent 35 years trying to build your life on things and stuff. He's just undone the whole thing. How will I live? Where will my daily provision come on? What do I think about work? What's going to happen to me? What if things change? And then Jesus gently addresses that. Fearful hearts in verse 22 to 34. He fleshes this out more by saying, Hey team, instead of seeking a divided inheritance, seek a divine inheritance. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek the way of life where Jesus, who is your big brother, tell my brother, divide it. Jesus is your big brother now, who doesn't need to be told to divide the inheritance. He freely gives us his own life so that we can be saved from the disaster of this rich fool and the worry of everyday life as we think through what this means. Jesus saves us from the rich fool's disaster in the parable who can't get enough and from the fear and worry of not having enough. And in this, this quite lengthy section, the key word is actually the word worry. And then in verse 23, the little word for drives home the point. And in verse 34, Jesus wraps the whole thing up neatly and says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he's saying is that do not set your heart on what you eat or drink, Do not worry about it. For the pagan world, that's just anyone who's not in the kingdom of God here, runs, runs, runs after such things and your father knows you need them. The word worry here has the idea of being suspended in the air. 
something that's raised up. And he's using it metaphorically to describe how we think about things. Do not be in suspense about these things in your life. Life is not physical life, but where your desires, the seat of your heart, that sort of thing. So, don't make the heartbeat of your life materialistic things, stressed out by having all these balls in the air, trying to juggle it just to have life. Because, Jesus says, you have a Father who actually knows what you need. And because we have a Father who knows what we need, what we seek, where we find life, is totally different. You know, each of us have a different relationship with things and stuff. Some of us uh, live by brands, some of us love certain objects, or we only want to shop uh, organically or eat whole foods, or some of us don't care about that. Some of us work really hard to have a nice bank account, some of us particularly don't care either and live paycheck to paycheck, or that we want to, and we all have a different relationship to the things and stuff in this life. The issue here, though, isn't what you possess. It's what's possessing you, even if it's good, and where your life is found. But seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. Because you see, consumerism is short-sighted living. Consider this. If you seek the kingdom of God, all the things your Father knows you need will come to you. And they'll come to you without them being your life. That is, let your life be found with Jesus in the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God, verse 34 says. Seek is the same word used for life. Find life with Jesus. And that's why Jesus came at Christmas time to save us to a loving Father who will take care of us where we find life in Him, you see. The point is that all the created things that you have enjoyed these last week and even later on today are simply should be channels of God's grace that let God's grace into your heart more fully. Good things that remind you the best is actually Jesus. Let what you have, let what you don't have, carry you to God seeking his kingdom. Enjoy what you get, enjoy what you've gotten, but don't depend on it for your life. And at this point, we have no idea how the man responded. It's the end of the parable, Jesus has finished speaking, and, and just it's, it's quiet. What did he do? How did he hear this? We can't be sure, but you can be sure of how you can respond to this. Because after all, Jesus brings people to God, not property to people. Jesus came to put life and things in their right order, their proper place. That's what happens at Christmas time. God gave us Jesus because our need, my need, of a renewed relationship with him. All the gifts you give, all the gifts you get, do not renew anything in that kind of way. In Philippians 2, yesterday's passage, Jesus didn't grasp at his infinite wealth but opened his hand and emptied himself of it all for us. And that's what Christmas is about. That's why Christmas is bigger. A reordering of my heart and my life, what I seek to Jesus, his kingdom, God my Father. And realizing that all you could ever want and have is found in him. Jesus is the good big brother who freely gives us an inheritance that will never fade, rust, decay, And that's why Christmas is bigger. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing Hark the Herod Angels. Loving Father, 
You know that our heart's desire is full of anxious things. You know our life is spent sometimes consuming and wanting. And even when we think we're doing the right thing, greed lies as close behind. Want is always there. And so, Father, would you save us from ourselves? And that's why Jesus came, a gift to show us a whole new category of living in your kingdom where you generously provide, where our big brother Jesus gives us what we need, beginning, first of all, with his life and his Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, move in us, convict us, help us find joy in you as we happily gather with our family and friends, knowing that life is found in you, not what we have in this life. May you be given the glory and honor, we pray. Amen.